Hola. Hey, yo. There you are. All right. Um, episode two of the I Hate the News podcast. Mm, episode like two and a half. Two and a half. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess you can explain that. <laughs> <laughs> so I've lost our second recording. Um, which just and like, you you said eyes lost our second recording, not I lost our second recording. Yeah, yeah, no, I want to know that it wasn't me. Um, so being creatives, like we are like very not good at sticking to things. Uh, we have to like kind of force and strong arm ourselves into doing it. And so we were like had every intention of like pre-recording things. We actually have an editorial calendar. Um, we were super proud of ourselves for having recorded two episodes like last month. And then, yeah, for, like backing them up. Yeah, and then I thought before the new year. You were terrified. To, you were terrified to tell me. Um, you're like, oh, yeah, I think I texted you like, uh, don't hate me. <laughs> Which is really funny because like I I I just feel like I'm not allowed to be mad because you're the one who does all of the editing. So like, <laughs> yeah, I just like, hate dropping the ball. Have, and then what's who funny is have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's funny though because like turns out I didn't even drop the ball because then I like. After we decided to just skip it and like do another one, um, and they, we made plans for it, I go and like find that particular podcast in like a draft folder on Anchor. Which, by the way, Anchor, if anybody at Anchor is listening, there's some really strange layouts on your app. <laughs> the rest of it is really cool. Like it's so easy to get stuff up, but there's a couple of things which is like hmm, you need some work. Yeah, I don't know because I literally just wait for you to call. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm actually looking at our, like, our branded logos and stuff, and, like, I don't know what I did, but it's not the same one as the one you made, so. I just, I think mine's just a little more zoomed in, like, I actually zoomed okay. it in as I was posting it. Cool. Um, cool. So, yeah, that episode's lost to time. Maybe one day for fun, we'll drop it. Yeah. Um, but, uh. Do we ever really want to talk about Max Landis? Because that was kind of, like. Yeah, one of the things on the episode was, like, I, uh, at the end, I did a recommendation on Bright. Not a recommendation, like, meaning, like, um, we talked about movies that we saw, and I talked about what I thought about it. It's kind of a mini-review. And I really wanted to like it. I like Max Landis' work a lot. And, um, because he's just full of enthusiasm, and it's fun. Like, it, you don't have to take it too seriously. And, uh, and then right after we did the episode, um... Like, the day after. Yeah, it was, like, the day after. Like, all these allegations started coming out against Max. Uh, like, you know, sexual allegations and stuff from women. And, like, I was really thrown for a loop because Max doesn't strike me as that kind of person. But then again, you don't know anything about anybody, right? Exactly. And then I just felt icky about the whole thing. Like, I wasn't sure. Like, I also didn't want to talk down to a movie when a guy's already kind of, like, you know, right. getting kicked enough, you know? Uh, maybe rightly so. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, until this whole thing kind of settles. I don't know what the situation is. I really don't. Because allegations are not, like, legal allegations. They're just hearsay. But um, we'll see how it goes. You know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, but in the meantime, you know, let's hope um, that everything gets resolved and everybody in the situation gets what they needed, you know? Precisely. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of a good thing that it was, it was kind of lost to... Uh, yeah, just something about it felt wrong. I think you were kind of also, like, in the middle of New Year's stuff and, like, we kind of rushed it. And... I was literally wrapping presents for my nephew as we were recording and right, exactly. having listened to the first episode and how like how clear the audio is and how you can hear literally everything i was like wow i'm Be glad there. we lost that one you because... cut out for a second oh it's cool did I? yeah it's cool you bet anyway um <clears throat> yeah i was just saying how like i was wrapping presents and how clear the audio is on anchor having listened to the first episode yeah now. yeah so i'm kind of glad that um 
that we lost that one because you definitely would have heard me like cutting paper and yelling at my three-year-old that she get out of the room. So. Yeah, it would, might have changed the trajectory of the whole thing. Yes. <laughs> No, we we uh, on on usual episodes. What we do is we usually take a little bit of time and we kind of like get a little organized and then we then we record. So kind of you know we have something to talk about and some value to give to people. Yeah. But on that one, we just wanted to cram it in. Yeah. This time we have. So um, I guess that was uh, that's the reason that we're back and we've skipped an episode, which you'll yeah. never hear about. <laughs> Ever again. Um, <laughs> yeah. This one we're actually going to talk about. I had really wanted to talk about editing, but you're like you're skipping a step. Um, that's right. So yeah. We're going to talk about. Um, yeah, well, the topic will be uh, finishing stuff. Yeah, like how, like the idea of you know every last week was let's start. Let's how do you how do you get started? How do you face that blank page? How do you whatever? But let's now get into like, okay, you've started, and like we all know we all know everybody starts those first few projects, and you get like twenty pages into a screenplay, and you're like, I can't do anymore. Well, especially like with like New Year's resolutions, like because you know me, I love resolutions, and I make you right. make resolutions. Yeah, yeah. And then throughout the year, I hold everyone to like something that they promised themselves they would do on December 31st at like, you know, <laughs> 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, you have to do that thing. Um, but it's, it's hard to like actually finish something uh, and then put it out into the world. And so we can talk a little bit. Yeah, like, self-doubt, all that stuff. We'll get into it. And we, we'll, we'll get into tricks too about how to like, how we finish things. Like, cause it's like, I think the big misconception is that like people that, um, you know, are, are finishing projects and putting them out that they have something figured out, you know, meaning like, or the, that they just don't deal with this stuff. But the yeah. truth is anybody that's starting or anybody like even from the biggest filmmaker to the, to the, to the, uh, you know, to the amateur, it's like, they're all struggling with the same thing. Some mm-hmm. of them just have developed like tricks over experience, you know, through experience exactly. rather. So yeah, we'll get into that. Um, but in the, I guess let's just start with like catching up. Like what's, what's, uh, what's been going on with you? How's your new year been? And did you, uh, did you see anything cool? Watch anything cool? Consume anything cool? Um, what have I? So, my family like they're not they don't love good like movies. Mm. <laughs> um, so like I've just been watching like a, like a lot of like really like kind of crap cheesy stuff um, like with my siblings. Um, Isn't that what the new kind of like holiday season is for though? Oh yeah, for sure. Right. So like for New Year's, I was supposed to go out um, with some of my best friends. We're like having a party and I was like, you know what? Like I'm going to be social. Like I'm going to go do the things that like social people do. Normal um, people. Yeah, normal people. So I, I literally was <laughs> walking to their apartment and like on my way and I was like, I'm gonna stop and like pick up snacks. So I stopped and picked up like some Pakistani food. I stopped and picked up LaCroix. Of course you did. Masks for us to do. And then as I'm walking there, I somehow like end up back in my car. What? Like going, going home. <laughs> and, Wait, um, what? <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, I had every intention of like going out and like having fun. And then my sister, um, texted me and was like i'm not doing anything and i'm like lonely like come home and, and watch movies with me so um we watched like these these like silly jennifer aniston movies that she loves that Perfect. i've never seen before which ones and, do you know um, the first one was wonderlust i don't, I don't know that one have you heard um, of that you're one? not missing anything um, okay, it cool. was very silly but um, we did like sheet masks and, and uh, she made me do a thousand piece donut puzzle to like ring in the new year. So it was just like a regular, like fun, fun. That's awesome. You just, 
place. You, you just reminded me with uh, Jennifer Aniston, that whole era when she had those romantic comedies or whatever. Uh, yeah. I think she still does sometimes, but early on she did this movie. I don't know if you know it. It's called The Good Girl. Did you ever see that? It sounds very familiar. She did this movie called The Good Girl where she plays this like grocery store checkout girl who's like down in the dumps in her life in a small town. And her husband is John C. Riley, and she runs into this young kid who's like really interesting and it's Jake Gyllenhaal. Do you remember any of that? I it sounds familiar. Like I know I've heard of it. I've never seen it's, it. It's it's like it's like a dramedy, right? Like it's like a serious, but it's also funny and whatever. It was like her attempt at doing a serious role, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she's really good in it. The movie's amazing, and it's kind of been lost to time. It's like this little movie that Jennifer Aniston just killed, and every, all everybody remembers her, and is like this little. Uh, Didn't she do something recently that was kind of similar? Maybe the last few years. I haven't been paying attention, possibly. I don't know. But anyways, um, that came to mind. Um. So yeah, it seems like you, did... you watched the crappier Jennifer Aniston movies. Yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> I don't know if they're crappy, but they're I know like, I'm being funny. Kind of like favored things of like young 20 something girls which is exactly what my sister is no we Um, all have those guilty pleasures and stuff right like exactly yeah yeah. for sure um so that was kind of like my holiday you are up in like frozen tundra the canadias toronto the fabled canadias um i read an article that um the only part of canada that isn't completely frozen over right now is the shoreline of vancouver or something like that yeah, I mean, it definitely um, seems like the, 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 to me, it seems like the strongest winter we've had in a while. It's just been, like, snowing and cold and things frozen over and just, you know, unbearable, like, both know, of the poles balls weather. What? warmer than Canada right now. What, like, the what South is? Pole. Both That's the crazy. North and the South Pole are warmer than Canada. Like, who put a country there? No, I have to say, this is the, this winter is the one time where I've been reminded, like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm Canadian. This is what it's like to be Canadian. Like, we've forgotten because the last couple of winters weren't, like, you know, unbearable. But, like, this one was just like, oh, my God. Like, right now, if I step outside, I'll get frostbite in, like, a second. <laughs> I, I love the winter, but, like, as you've reminded me, like, that's because I am never responsible for showing <laughs> Yeah, you're always like, oh, I love the snow. It's snowing. I miss it. And I'm like, yeah, I used to miss it, too, when I didn't have to shovel. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Well, my 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 dad passed away like years ago. It was like that's when like I had to start doing it more and more. You know, because I, I I moved home with because uh, my mom was sick, right? Mm-hmm. And I moved home, and then I started taking over all the kind of like landscaping duties and all that. And it was just like, oh my god, this is the worst. Why does anybody have a house? <laughs> <laughs> Why do any of us live at yeah. all? This is worth it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was basically, uh, there's not much to do. It's the winter, so like everybody's stuck inside, I think, for New Year's Eve. I um, I didn't have the kids, so I kind of just chilled out. Um, I'm going to have the kids in a couple days. Actually, I'm getting them tonight, so that'll be fun. Fine. Yeah, it'll be cool. They're hilarious. Thank you. They're pretty dope. Um, well, I follow them on the social medias, and like I'm always dying, so. Yeah, they're always like, <laughs> they're always talking about your social media too, it's hilarious. Um, I try to be like responsible because I don't want to be like their dad's friend that like says like I don't know. It's creepy and weird. Yeah, weird. Like says like inappropriate things on the internet that they like. No, they love you, Uh, and they've seen worse. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean they are on on YouTube. Right. Yeah, but also like you know their 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 family like their mom's side is like hardcore Maori Kiwi, right? So they're True. they're just like they're used to hearing shit, and it's awesome. I actually love it. All right, like the kids are so open minded because of like everything they've experienced, you know. But anyways, that's a sidetrack. 
Um, um, so, should we get into the topic? Yes. All right, let's get into um, finishing stuff. Finishing things. Not not my favorite thing to do, but... Um, no, it isn't. It's, uh, it's, it's something that... It's weird. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't ever go away. It's always a struggle. No. It reminds me a lot of, like, you know, working out or something. It's like, you can get on a good streak, but in the back of your head, you always know, like, you know, those couple of days you take off are going to turn into a month. Yeah, <laughs> or, like, doing dishes. Like, I just sometimes have to think about how, like, I hate doing dishes. I, I hate it, and I'm still going to have to do them, like, every day for the rest of my life until I fall over dad. Like, I'm going to have to exactly, do it. Exactly, yeah. And, and finishing I look, dishes. I feel like laundry. This is yeah, never ending yeah, thing that just like never... every time you feel like it's the last time and it's like, nope, can't do it again next week. Like, I finally got caught up on all of my house projects and then you're like, oh no, like I'm just going to have to keep doing this until... This I'm never done. ends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is why it's really important, I think, to like schedule uh, margin into your life when you're like working on a lot of projects and like giving yourself space. Margin? Oh. Well, just like giving yourself some kind of room that's like unscheduled in your in your daily life. Um, right, that okay. helps me finish things because I don't feel that kind of pressure. I, I need a little bit of that like smothering kind of like deadline, but like I a looming deadline. A, yeah, but if I don't have a little bit of wiggle room, I just get that kind of crushed feeling of like, like I'm never going to finish this. Like there's so many things to do. Why bother doing any of them? Um, totally, I relate to that. Um, and. How do you, I mean, you finished, like, how many films do you have now? Like, ten? Oh, no. Uh, wait, you mean, like, um, out there? Well, just, like, I mean... I have I a bunch of scripts of that aren't out public, there. But, like, you have yeah, like I've, I have, like, seven or eight scripts that I've written, feature scripts, over the years. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe even more, but, like, some of them, you know, they're just not that good, so you don't count them. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, no, it's, it, like, finishing stuff is kind of, like, that's the one thing I kind of like have developed tools for you know yeah because it's tricky so like so a lot of it is like you have to trick yourself you have to find ways to like motivate yourself and um and inspire yourself to keep going like one of the things that i do um is uh okay so one of the things that i do which is is like i always try to do like some sort of vomit draft like i I won't i won't sit down and just labor over i used to a lot like that's how i started i won't but now i won't labor over something until because what a lot of people do is they just think about their idea over and over and they want to get it right before they start right and then once they start Mm -hmm. they feel like they feel like every sentence that they write down has to be great so they just keep rewriting and going back and then and then you know then they have two pages and they go back and rewrite those two pages and they got three pages do you know what i mean and it's like and it's really just anxieties and insecurities because you don't want to put anything out there that isn't good and it's kind of like you know you haven't proven yourself yet but what it is is I've learned that if you just get to that first draft and you kind of write from the unconscious, mm-hmm. like you kind of really have to just give yourself over and be like, okay, like let's see where this goes, you know? And, yeah. and, and I'm prepared. Like I have ideas. Like I know what, I know, I know the story. I maybe know the ending. I maybe know like the characters. Like I've made a bunch of notes for like maybe a couple of weeks or so, you know? And you then once I start. You always making notes on your phone. Yeah, you know me. You have like files in your phone thousands it's ridiculous like, yeah notes uh, and notes and notes yeah. it's because it's like i learned very early that when you don't make that note it, then it's never coming back like yeah, you think you have it later not. oh it's a great idea i remember this no you won't it's gone but i mean i talked in the first episode about how 
when I used to work with you and Martin yeah. um, up in Toronto that you know you would sit down and just like watch films and then kind of disappear into like this silence for like two hours and yeah you'd be on your phone or on your you know laptop or something and I'd be like what are you doing and you check and you'd be like oh I just wrote a script I'm like wait what <laughs> and it's because you do like this like vomit draft of, of just like start to finish you don't get up until you're done and um, you just get it all out yeah yeah and sometimes I can take like you know a couple of weeks sometimes that's just two or three days depending on like how complicated the script is and then at my best what I do is I put it away like when I'm done like when, when I'm doing the process, like, the way it should be done is, like, when the script is done, I put it away into a drawer or, you know, just close the laptop and mm-hmm. and uh, go work on something else. Like, just what's the next thing yeah. that I want to work on? And then I'll do that for a couple, like, a week or so. Sometimes maybe two or three days. It just depends. And then go back and read that draft. And suddenly, I'd say a week is probably ideal. And then suddenly when you go back, you see you see everything that, that is ridiculous about it. Mm-hmm. And you see everything that's good about it. Like, it's so obvious. You kind of, like, detach from it because, like, you've done something else now. You're not so attached to all the work you put in and you're just kind of reading it, like, cold. Yeah. You know, and then it's like, oh, yeah, you don't need this. You don't need this. You don't need this. Oh, this is really great. Whatever, you know? And I think there's this thing. Go ahead. And then I make notes as I'm doing that and then, like, attack the second draft using those notes. And this, and uh, to be honest, rewriting is not, It's rewriting is actually fun and it's kind of easy once you've done all that note taking and all that like just gone through it and been like yeah you know. but if you're looking at your thing very critically and you're making notes like you know once you, you you're watching it like one minute at a time and you're making notes and like what am i going to do i don't think that's healthy because you're looking at it in a way that nobody else is ever going to look at it well i think that like what for me happens is that when you're first kind of generating an idea and then turning it into something you're really really close to it yeah and you feel like it belongs to you um and so you want you want to create this like perfect this perfect little like baby mm-hmm. and then the way it's in your head when you do just like grind it out and then put it out in the world and like you said don't look at it for like a minute mm-hmm. um then when you come back to it it does it feels like it belongs to itself yeah that's true and, you're right and you don't necessarily have as um, an emotional connection to it. Mm-hmm. And so you're able to kind of critique it and work on it. Um, in, you're right. It's all about removing that. Em- on your skill versus like your emotion. Absolutely. I think a lot of that also, and I mean, you, you tell me if you've experienced this, but for me, a lot of it is that when I'm, when I put a lot of work into something, whether it's a vomit draft or music or whatever it is, you know, like when I do that, the, the work that I put into it, I'm attached to that. It's, mm-hmm. it's not that I'm attached to, I mean, I am attached to the, you know, like the inspiration, the ideas and all that, but I found that subconsciously what's actually going on is I'm like, man, I put so much work into this. I don't want to yeah. do another draft. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's where yeah. a lot of it comes from. And then you'll start looking for excuses and this and that, but it's a, and what happens is when you detach yourself a week later, you for, kind of, you kind of forget about all the work you put into it. And yeah. you're like, oh, you feel so good about having it done, you know, maybe even send it out to yeah. a few trusted friends to like read as a vomit draft, you know? But, um, no, that's true. I never, I never really thought about it. But like, you need like re how, sorry, go on. What were you going to say? Oh, just like how, how attached to our labor we are as like the artistic creative. Yeah. No, nobody um, wants to admit that. And it took me a long time to kind of realize, like I was really paying attention to my feelings and stuff. And I realized that a lot of the times that I'm stressing about is like the fact that like, I just don't want to put more work into it. Like I did it. I put all the hard work and here it is. Look how great it is, but it's not great. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, yeah. and so, but, but a week later, I, it's fresh again and I like I kind of want to approach it again like I'm not it's not this like 
I'm not all those icky feelings of like working so hard and people not liking it. Like those go away and then you just attack it again, you know? And the more space you put in between yeah. it, the more like let's say you look at it a year later, that's even better. You know, but most people can't Ooh, do that. See, I'm the opposite. Ooh, I can't do that. You can't? No, like because that like oh god, that gives me hives because that I'll just <laughs> never gives you hives. I'll just <laughs> never do it. Like because so I come from this background um of like of painting so like i have a painting degree which like why does anybody get that but totally not other story um and tell my kid that yana <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening please don't waste your dad's money <laughs> or your mom's yeah. <laughs> or your mom's money um so yeah so when when you're working on like a, like a really large canvas you'll have it up on um an easel and you'd be working on it usually in stages because like you have to allow paint to dry so like you do get really attached to the process because you have all That's these it. hours yes. in between where you have to like look at it and look at what's potentially wrong with it and what's good about it and all that and um then you can be afraid to kind of like touch it and fuck it up because you're like there's no going back right yeah you, um, you nailed it actually you, but giving an example like that it makes it more relatable like that's exactly it it's like you know you, you put the paint up and you did all this stuff you did all this work and it's like that labor is so like uh like it's an investment you know what i mean for sure and so like when with painting you have to like kind of walk around it a little bit yeah you say that um, all the time so so sometimes especially if i was like doing portrait work um you have to look at it in like different shades of kind of light throughout the day and you kind of have to um especially if you're trying to get like bone structure and stuff correctly you have to like kind of lay down flat and then oh, interesting. The wall far away and then look at it you know up close and um it can be it can be really difficult um to get perspective to, on it yeah hmm. and and um and to ever feel like it's finished because right, it's always, always something, something that you, like, that's actually a really great tweet. thing to get into. It's and never actually so finished, you know? Of, no, and that's, and that's the thing is that, like, at some point, coming from that background where, like, I don't have any of those, like, original, like, my paintings and stuff are literally in a pile in, in the closet mm -hmm. because I can't hang them. There's one that I have hung up and the rest of them I can't put under glass because then I'd have to admit that, like, I'm considering them finished. Right, right, and, yeah. And I still, even now, like 10 years you know, later, when I haven't picked up a brush in so long, like it's hard for me to, to consider them finished. Um, and, and writing can be the same way. And I constantly have to tell myself, like, finished is better than perfect. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like you were saying, you can like pick up something from like a few months later or like a year later. And like, if I do that, like I will never consider anything done. Like I have to give myself such tight deadlines no, I um, totally get that. Also, I think I think poetry is a little different. Like you can't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Know, I don't know if it serves you to put something away for a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because so much of it is like how much you're connected to that moment, what you're feeling. So a year later, you may not know yeah. what you're saying, and then it's like, I don't know. I think screenwriting is a little different because you're you're creating these worlds, and once you've got the basic story down, what it really comes down is you got to bulletproof it, right? Like plot holes, character development, all that stuff. So putting it away for it's oh by the way putting it away for a year is not something i can do like i can't be like i'll write a script and then put it away for a year and look at it again that tends to happen kind of mm -hmm. naturally like i'll write a script i'll write a draft i'll like polish a little bit then i'll show it to people and you know i'll get some reactions and like a lot of times what happens is like i get some good reactions and get a few like critical reactions and you know, obviously your mind gets like caught up in the critical ones right 
Always. And so I'll do some thinking on that, but I'll lose a little steam writing, right? And this is not for like, this is not for what you call it, uh, like assignments. Assignments is a totally different thing. You got to hit the deadlines, you know? Um, yeah. but, but on my own projects, it's like, I lose a little steam, but then I'll put it away. But then what happens when I put it away, I feel good about it. I know that, okay, I'll come back to this in a few months. Right. That's and because I know, I know screen, like, like stories benefit from, um, like being left in the oven. You know what I mean? Like to just, to just, you, you want to overcook them a little bit. Whereas everything yeah, else is like music, marry. music is the opposite. I don't think you should take too much time. Like overthinking it is not a good idea. The best, best music happens like in the moment, you know? Yeah, I think the poetry and, and I would actually love to, I'm like making a mental note to like for us to come back and address like the difference between like finishing creative work and doing creative work and like assignments, something that you've been contracted. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that's a different thing. And I've experienced that as well. You totally approach them differently for yeah. sure. Um, but I think that with, with poetry, I have to give myself these deadlines because otherwise when you're only operating with like, sometimes it's like as few as like 30 words, right? Yeah. Like each word has this weight to it. And I think that if you're not careful, um, that's exactly right. You yeah. can pick, you can kind of get caught up in like trying to find the right word or changing the word, but, but then changing the word could change the entire meaning feel... of the poem. And so you, you have to yeah. like definitely edit, but also like be willing to walk away from something. Totally. Um, and, and I know like, so when I was, when I was writing my book, um, I was getting to the point where I was finishing it up and I could like, I was getting really close, but not quite there yet. And there was a few, um, things that were missing. Okay. My, my book is kind of a linear, it's set up as, as like a map. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, um, it has like a very specific beginning and then a very specific end. So there's a few things that are missing kind of in between. And, uh, I was working with this great editor, um, who I've known for like years and years and he knows um, that I'll kind of wax poetic and like f fumble around with like, you know, the, the placement of a comma if it right, comes yeah. back to my own devices. And so um, he was like, listen, um, here's the poem that you need to write between this and this, like in this place in the book or whatever. And, uh, and we can get into like how, how we were setting up the book and because that kind of thing is fun. Mm -hmm. But um, He's like, you have 15 minutes to write this poem. How, how 30? 15. 15. He almost never gave me more than wow. 15 minutes. Now, a lot of times I will spend several days yeah, uh, writing something. But for this particular thing, uh, and a lot of the poems in that, in that book are, are short um, for, for a reason. Um, but you know what happens when you... give me 15 yeah. minutes. And so what happens is it kind of tells me... Like, okay, you have this amount of time to write this. So you have to mm -hmm. write in under 14 minutes and then, like, report back on it. And then you have a few minutes um, to edit it, you know, and then he would edit it and, and tweak some things here and there. Um, but I, it, it basically just kind of taught me, which, which is just something that I needed to learn as a creative, that, like, I had to accept that things were going to be finished. Yeah. That's... And, and it, because no one is going to tell the difference for the most no. part. Um, between a poem that I spent 14 minutes on and a poem that I spent four days on. Yeah, that's the nobody can really tell. And I think that's actually really good, really good advice for people. Like if you, 
if you're kind of in a rut and you, you want to get started with something and you're like, you know, you're just having a hard time, maybe overthinking things or feeling doubt, like give yourself that 15 minute practice, that 20 minute practice, whether it's a poem or it's a song or it's like, you know, a short script. Like I know a few friends who've done that and it's like, and I've done it. I just did this daily music practice for like a hundred mm -hmm. days in a row, you know? And what that does is uh, like when you set that 15 minutes for yourself, you did the poetry thing. What happened is you, you like in that moment, you raise the stakes, right? You only have 15 minutes. What happens is your brain goes into this like, uh, like supercharge mode. So mm -hmm. you like adrenaline gets released, probably like um, a whole bunch of other stuff, and and you just get in this heightened mode where you're like, okay, I can't focus on anything else. I've got 15 minutes. I got to do this, right? I would sweat. Like it's yeah, yeah. dumb. Oh, totally. Like, <laughs> I would. But time so slows good. down and stuff. About it, yeah. And and um, you become very. I feel like you become super clear-minded. Like once once you commit, because you're like. Like a lot of stuff that you would think about, like options that you might put into the poem where you would have been like, oh, maybe I write it like this. Like they just go out the window. You kind of default to stuff that you know. Yes. And in that, in a lot of cases, like you, you know, you need to like learn how to like, you know, broaden your horizons and not, and all that. But like, and but it becomes more practice, You Yeah. You kind of need to get back to like, to that place where you can just like grind it out a little bit. Cause like we had talked before about how a lot of times the stuff that resonates with other people is not necessarily um, not your favorite yeah with you and so people will bring there's one poem in particular um in in my book and there's one that i've written recently that that i did in like a few minutes and people will come to me right. and tell me how much that one meant to them and like that thing does not mean anything to me because in my mind it feels fraudulent do you know how many musicians stories about like some of our favorite songs and like you know pop culture that you know they wrote in like five minutes and can't believe that became their biggest hit when they had all these other yes. like you know and yes there's something to that about catching that lightning in a bottle you know and also i think the greatest well, thing about like, what you just said about like making the 15 minutes and all that is that the if anybody is thinking about like getting started and they're a little bit stuck what that does is gives you like a ridiculous amount of confidence once you're a few days into it, it doesn't matter what you're writing but the fact that you're just outputting stuff and it's like kind of half decent you you gives you confidence and afterwards you might sit down and actually focus on something and do something bigger that is better but you've you've given yourself that runway well and also i think that what keeps a lot of people from doing it and and i don't know if this is just like it's definitely not just like a female thing but i think women maybe feel a little bit more especially like women creatives mm -hmm. um and i feel it even now so it's not like i have this advice i'm going to give you that no longer applies to me right. um i still i still struggle with this is that um a lot of times taking that practice, that 15, even if it's just 15 minutes, because like I teach, I teach yoga and I have women all the time who come in and they're just like, I feel really guilty when I'm here because I'm, I'm taking like this hour to like lay around and stretch and I could be doing something right. like yeah. other people or whatever. Sure. And so I think that a lot of times when you're spending even just that 15 minutes making something, you feel like it has to be perfect in order to be worth it. And you have to have something true, like something good has to come out of out of that practice or out of that poem in order for it to have been. That's so true. Like, That's actually it's some, it? when you first start that really fucks with you. Like like I'm saying yeah. early on because you just feel like everything you do has to be productive or like your entire family and friends looking at you like why are you wasting your time? Because we because in in all the conversations that I think a lot of people have about about creative, it's like how do I monetize my hobbies? 
and like there are things that you're allowed to do just because you love them and you don't have to monitor Actually, them. You don't even have to be fucking good at them. I have to say like, something here right now because you just got me like a little inspired, which is that I think the most important thing, like like creative people who are like trying to get into it or whatever, that they need to like really, really think about is like you gotta be selfish. Like yeah. like you gotta be selfish and you gotta know it's okay. Like because a lot of creative people are super sensitive to like friends and family and like their opinions and stuff, but you cannot like if you want to be happy and you want to live your dreams, you have to tune that stuff out. You can love them. You can do other stuff for them. You can, you know, take care of them and all those things they need. But you carve out your time and that's your time and tell them fuck off. And that's yeah, how I feel no, about it. it. <laughs> <laughs> fuck everyone I ever loved. No, in, in, in that particular period. When, when I'm being no, creative, and, yeah. when, I'm being, when I have to be creative, you cannot interrupt me. This is what I do. You do not understand it. And... And what's, what's great is my family has over the years like really started to understand that like this is just my way, this is how I do it and you have to leave me alone at certain times and it's not a big deal. The point is they'll come around to it. They'll start to understand. Yeah. And what I actually want to say to like to parents because like I have, I have a little kid, yeah. you know, yeah, and um, I, I wrote my book when I had, maybe that's even an episode we can talk about, yeah. like being parents when you like that's a great idea. are creatives and like freelancing and like how do you... It would be cool is to like actually have the kids on. <laughs> Oh my god, we should interview them. Like, like, what's it like? How bad are we? <laughs> <laughs> Go, tell the world. Like, how, how terrible are we at what we do? Um, but like, with with having like a kid, especially like a little girl like I do, um, when I was writing my book, I felt insanely selfish because I was tired all the time yeah. because I'd be up until like... 2am where she'd be at the park and I'd be like editing on my phone or something yeah that's like that. exhausting and like finding those like little like pieces um of, of, of time in order to like actually get something finished were were difficult and I'm not gonna pretend that they were easy because no. like you remember I would cry no I remember because well, I was so exhausted also, I... but what go on what's good about that is that like I now have an eight-year-old who like you could call her what do they call her at school she's like a bossy <laughs> but they call her which is like always a, a bad word that that's used for like little girls but really like she's spirited and she knows what she wants no and she's like, got a good she's heart and she's like, i don't even think she is bossy i think if anything she's like you know uh what do you call it like she, she knows what she wants and she's not gonna let somebody like push yeah, her around yeah and also like hair flip but like <laughs> she's seen like an independent female creative yeah. like me take the time to say like listen to like the rest of my family this is something that's important to me i don't care if you don't care about it and like i'm going to take the time to dedicate to myself and to my practice and like the rest of it be damned and the thing is that like and even if that takes away a little bit of time that she and i have together in that moment mm -hmm. like i want her as an adult and as a potential creative and whatever kind of creative endeavors she goes on to like enjoy to be comfortable doing the same thing yeah no i agree i agree because and, seeing your parents do things like that is like also i think what you're doing is your self-maintenance right like it, it's yeah. it's what's it's what's needed for you to be happy and to be there for for the rest of the time and i'm the same way like if i don't take care of myself in like whether it's creativity or whatever then like i'm kind of grumpy around the kid when they're over and stuff but that's really rare because i really do kind of like take care of myself and and try to be the best you know or even just like for for friends and family and like other commitments and yeah, things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, all that. Like it's 
there are going to be times when you have to say like I can't go do this thing even if it's something you really want to do mm-hmm. because you have to do something else I told you I've started saying no to weddings like it's really hard but when people or, or like funerals and stuff like that like unless it's somebody that I'm like really really close with and like I have to go you know what I mean like to, to support them. nobody hates weddings as much as you do I hate them like, like public de- declarations of love and eyes is just like nah fuck this no no because like, well, you know what it is <laughs> it, it, there's so many things about it like one i have shit to do <laughs> you know what I mean? there's things i have to do and you want me to take time out and watch you and like give you presents and talk about you and then like a couple years later who knows <laughs> if it's even gonna work out like go fuck yourself it's so entitled <laughs> <laughs> I like how I'm like everybody should carve out 15 minutes for themselves every day and you're like everyone should stop going to weddings <laughs> <laughs> oh, and like destination weddings are the worst like what the hell is wrong with people anyway sorry <laughs> oh my god they're like hey how about instead of buying us a gift you just come on this lovely vacation and, they, and, and you're like how fucking selfish are you like, well if you're making the person pay for it <laughs> God, what? Okay, so um, um, we're never gonna ask Eyes what he thinks about like love and friendship. No, ever. you don't. <laughs> not, at least not until I'm a little happier. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but yeah, you know how I feel about weddings. I've always been like, when I got married, mom was like so tiny, you know? And then um, when I got divorced, it was tiny too. But. <laughs> 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 oh my god um, but um uh, what were we talking about we were talking about how to carve time for creative endeavors and instead we're talking about we went off the rails no one should love anything other than and, and you know it's going to be everybody's favorite part of the podcast when I lost it yeah, because- <laughs> let's talk about how you're bitter and turn screenwriting <laughs> to, to make up for it uh, uh. Um, All right, therapy. Yeah, I think we were talking because one of one of your friends actually um, said talk about imposter syndrome. Um, oh yeah, that's right. I think we kind of touched on a little bit here and um, with finishing things because I think that sometimes um, finishing things means that you're no longer allowed to feel like an imposter because you did the damn thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, you mentioned that, and I was like, "That's exactly right." It's like I, I always say to like so to my kids, right? Um, my boy is thirteen, and uh, my girl's sixteen, and they've been so. Yana's been drawing for a long time, and Zan, uh, he's into music. And one of the things I always say to them is like, you know, if because they all do this, they're, they're, they're teenagers now, and they have their insecurities, and you know, they're rubbing up against other people and this and that. And I say, look, the only thing that's going to make you feel confident in life and make you feel like you know, you contributed something is, uh, mm-hmm. is to like accomplish things, to get things finished. Like the imposter syndrome thing goes, but you start to put it in check when you start to like actually release things and put them yeah. out there because you start to feel really good about it. like, Oh shit, I did this. And my friend who's yeah. always talking shit about doing stuff hasn't done anything. Yeah. And that just continues as you get, you know, as you get older, you start seeing like all your friends that talk shit, don't do anything. And then you are doing things, even if like, you know, it's not the best thing or like, you know, what you wanted it to be, you're doing things and that feels great. And it gives you like, you know, it gives you like, uh, like badges of honor and all that. And you kind of like, just, well, and also like, cause once you accept that not everyone's going to like your shit, and also, yeah. like, if your if your shit is, is good, like not everyone's going to like it. And so if, 
if you're just, if you're just kind of mediocre and everyone's like yeah like that's okay like that's all right like, i think a mark of like success is like if people really either super love or super hate your work yeah like you're doing all right and i think that like you said like finishing stuff gets rid of that imposter syndrome it's actually um, the only but- cure no, it, and that's the thing. It, it absolutely is. And I think for a lot of, like, people who are just starting out, um, and maybe even even women who, like, are really only now... Do you want to just quickly explain what imposter syndrome is before you say that? Because I don't think we... I don't think a lot of people know what it is. Okay, so tell them. Well, imposter syndrome is the idea of, like, when, you, when you're making art, or it's, it's not just an art, it can be in business, it can be anything, like, you know, you're in a managerial position, you just got hired or whatever, but secretly inside you feel like, oh my god, any moment they're going to find out that, like, I am not the guy. I'm a hack. Yeah, which, like, the idea is that everybody around me seems skilled and seems to know what they're doing, but they have no clue that inside I'm just barely keeping up with everything. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm kind of just like moment to moment. I don't even know if I can do this tomorrow, you know? And what, what people, when they feel like that, they feel very like, it makes you insecure. It makes you like, you know, not creative and all that stuff. Super anxious. Super yeah. anxious. But what you don't realize is that all the people around you are thinking the same thing. Yeah. They all feel and they're like all that. wrong too. And they're all wrong too. And the only reason that certain people aren't feeling it is because they're maybe in higher positions than you and they've been doing it longer. And because they've been executing and finishing things, they've managed to keep that monster at bay. Exactly. I think that you always feel that when you're kind of trying something new. And like you said, the only cure is to like, is to finish it. Oh um, yeah. Like when I started this daily thing, I was so, I nobody knew, nobody like I'm posting things, I'm being confident, but inside I'm like, holy shit, I'm a hack. Like, it's so hard for me to make music. Like, why is it so hard today? And you know, like I'd have these days where I just feel like, wow, I thought like the stuff is just supposed to come out of you, you know? Yeah, and, no. and then you realize, no, it's like, it's a, it's a, what, it's a craft. You have to like, dedicate yourself to it and then by the end of the daily thing I felt really good I felt like like I felt great to be honest I felt like I was in my flow I was like I had to learn so many things I was making music really easy but it took a hundred days you know mm-hmm. well and I think people people think about that with poetry so like you go on Instagram and you see all these like beautiful handwritten poems like and yeah. like little illustrations and, like everything is pink or something and mm-hmm. and you're kind of like oh like these people are just like sitting at like white like desks in well-lit rooms with like a hundred dollar candle burning on the counter and they're like penning this that's what it seems like but it's not like right they're in their bed in their underwear like you know half asleep saying like i gotta get this last line in (laughs) yep no the for sure because like when when i am writing so whenever whenever anyone reads my poems they can just know that like half that shit was like written on the cute train exactly. and then the rest of it was like written the way, when like I think I'm it, in bed I think it's so dope that you just said that because I think one of the things about poetry is that like there's there's this real misconception that artists are like you know especially poets are like these um like you just said, like sitting by candlelight or some poets riding a train at night and that's when he wrote this. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. but, but the truth is what I like about, and that's what I always liked about your poetry is that, you know, your poetry is so, um, like it takes you to places, but then when I see you on Instagram or Twitter or anything, well, on Twitter especially, like I just, like you're a real person. You talk about like, you know, wrote this on a train or whatever, like wrote this on a subway this morning or whatever. My point is, that makes poetry so much more accessible. Like it's not like the worst thing about poetry. And I think the worst thing about all the arts is really, uh, is like pretentiousness, you know, 
just like yeah. higher higher than that oh you don't get us like that kind of stuff like i hate that i would shit. really love to be able to like craft this like highly curated image of like and like be one of those like cool people who just like is like super unapproachable and just kind of like <laughs> i don't know like yeah like this oh this stuff out. i just burp and poems yeah. come out yeah like i i can't <laughs> but that's what i am yeah they just like fill me up with bourbon and like and then like i'll churn out like a few poems for you <laughs> right um, but my point but, like, is, like, you, just... you, you, you remind, I think, if, I'm sure your followers probably feel the same way. It's like, you, you remind a writer and a creative that, like, oh, it's, it's not glamorous. It's just work. And you yeah, have moments, you, have, you do have other moments, too, where you do write poetry, where it's like, where you're, like, you know, somewhere in your whimsical and all that. Those things happen, too. But a lot of the times, you're just a real person. And I think that makes it super, like, oh, then maybe I could do it, too. Because the, the actual writing doesn't feel basic or written on the subway or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, so actually, it's funny because um, as much as I've tried to, like, craft this, like, this image of myself, like, my first book, like, tells the truth, which is that, like, um, if you... So the titles of all of my poems in We Grew Wild Once are actually the... Um, the Coord- latitude and yeah. longitude and the coordinates of... Um, where I was when I wrote it. Yeah. So I can I can point to any poem, which is so dope. Honestly, anything that I've that I've written on like even Instagram, and be like, oh yeah, I wrote that when I um, was still under the delusion that I was ever going to finish a half marathon. I was on the side of the road <laughs> when um, training, yeah, uh, during a run for that one. And then there's another one where like I'm like, oh yeah, that one's like about like heart. It's like a diary, and yeah. He wrote it when like my five year old was lying in bed and I was telling her to shut the fuck up or I was going to turn Elsa off. You know. Like, also, what I think is really dope about that, I think you said that like people who read your book they like some of them will go and look up those the, the latitude numbers and be like oh mm-hmm. that's cool like this is kind of the vicinity of where this happened yeah like so i spent part of like the really frustrating part about finishing the book was that like i spent hours on motherfucking google maps out like the exact so one of them was written when i was in nebraska and i actually found the exact park bench that i sat on when i wrote that poem and so every single one of those fuckers is precise and actually some of my friends have been a little concerned like my friend david um who actually runs a really uh cool website called quantum run right right um he uh was like Sarah um we have written like many projects together at my apartment here in Toronto and like <laughs> how accurate <laughs> are your coordinates and I'm like don't worry like if they were actual residences like, right I, I think I asked you something similar once and you were like it's just all like just kind of the vicinity of the area or whatever yeah, yeah. If, if, if it's somebody's like, address or something like that yeah if it's residential then like it's the park across the street or something That's so you know? dope, though. um but uh it's one of those ideas where I'm like, I wish I thought of that. <laughs> no, but like, it's, it's, it was really difficult to finish, but like, I needed it to be, be honest because yeah. that, that was well, part of the story. I, th- um, I think with, when you make things very personal like that, like the way you just did with the coordinates and all that, that actually really helps you finish things. And I think you just saying that reminded me something I'd forgotten. Like, it's good. It's a good reminder is that like the way that I used to, when I first started writing, I did like, I'd get 20 or 30 pages into something and I'd abandon it. Just, I just hit yeah. a wall. I wouldn't. I didn't like it anymore, or whatever. But I was so excited for thirty pages. I don't know what happened, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, 
And then one day I realized, that, like, look, man, the only way that you're going to be able to finish actual screenplays is if you make them so personal that you just can't wait to get to the end. Right, or like it's a lie if if you don't finish it. Like you're lying to yourself, yeah. or you're doing, yeah. There's some kind of untruth that's involved, mm-hmm. and like. One of my tricks, and it sounds super pretentious, and it's like very, almost a little bit embarrassing okay. to tell people. Um, I'm gonna make fun of you, but go on. Yeah, no, it's like probably like the like the douchiest thing. But um, so every morning when I like read, like I try to read a few poems mm-hmm. on like the Poetry uh, Foundation app, which is really cool if anybody uh, like wants to, oh, cool. to check it out. It's like every poem ever is on it and so i can just kind of spin the little dial and like read can you get randoms and stuff yeah yeah yeah. and um and then after that before i write i um i reread my own work for about 20 minutes like my best shit yeah and and oh one it's a little bit of an ego boost because i'm like all right that's pretty fucking good can i be honest why is it such a bad why is that considered such a like I've never understood that. Why is it considered so like vain or something when artists like like their own work? Like I, it's weird to me because to me it's like the reason that I make the movies that I make is because I want to see them because <laughs> nobody else is making them. <laughs> Wait, or like I clearly thought this was a good, this was a good poem, which is why I finished it. I mean, that yeah. gets back into like imposter syndrome, which is that like if there's there's something to be said about how like a lot of times the reason you don't want to finish something is because you'll have to like own it and right. own the fact that you thought it was good enough to put in the world um if if you do finish it nothing um, risk nothing yeah. gain nothing lost right exactly i think that like it, it definitely shouldn't feel like snobby to read your own stuff but like it just it does um, i think the problem becomes when you like start reading your own stuff and like t- telling everybody how badass you are and stuff right <laughs> Right, that's, 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 what I, that's what I should do. Yeah. Um, but no, it helps me because it reminds me what my own voice is. Because I think a lot of times you're watching something and you get in this like stuck place. Mm-hmm. You start like consuming art, which is really good. Like You do need to read other people's stuff and read what's popular and understand why it's popular and, and decide if that's the route you want to go or not and, and all of that. But if you're not careful, you can end up writing in somebody else's voice, and then you're, you know that the reason it's not working and the reason you can't finish it is because it's not true to your own voice and your own story. And so I have to constantly check myself and be like, for better or worse, like, this is how you write, this is your style, you're not, you know, yeah. so-and-so, you're not, um, you know, this, all the people that you kind of, like, yeah, yeah, admire or, it's or, super- or popular, and, like, that's okay, you have to write in definitely challenge yourself but like this is your voice and having to like having those few moments every morning to kind of like do that gut check i have found to be like really valuable and and helping me finish totally it's really interesting that you just said that about um uh like mimicking people and all that like something i've kind of come to accept about myself especially after this last little daily music thing is that so I do these things where I get obsessed about a certain artist or a certain style of like film or music or whatever. And then without realizing it, I start mimicking it. Right. And mm-hmm. because I, like, it's also this weird thing of like, I feel like, why can't I do that thing that that guy's doing? Like, why can't I make, yeah. why can't I make my chords sound like that? You know? And, mm-hmm. and it's, I don't like feeling like that because then what it is is it's kind of like coveting. Like you want to be that person. 
you know? Yeah. But what it is is, and I used to be really confused about it. And then like after a couple of months, you come out of it and you find your voice again or whatever. But now I feel as for me, <clears throat> it's such a, like a necessary part of the process, which is like, I'll get obsessed about some art and then like, I'll try to mimic it and I'll get really frustrated. And during that time, I really do feel a little bit like a hack. Like, you know, yeah. like, because you're comparing yourself to one of the greats, you know? And, but what happens is as I'm doing that, I start to like slowly crack the code of like, why that sentence mm -hmm. sounds that way, why that sentence is this way and so far, like, and I'll start to pick up new skills and then eventually I'll get tired of the whole thing and I'll drop it and I'll find my voice again, like getting frustrated. And when I find my voice again, I have all these new skills now. Well, and that's, so that reminds me so much of like what I said in the first episode, like one of my tricks is to like find something that I love and then rewrite all the lines of it without yeah. using those original words because it is definitely like a hacky practice thing to do. And I always feel like a little grimy when I do it, but it's because what it, what it does is that it allows me to look at and dissect this thing that I really love and then get the skills like, okay, like what is it I'm responding to? And it's usually so like... I, the word choice or or the kind of flow yeah, yeah. of it and so deconstructing it allows me to figure out the mechanics of the poem and then i can put it back together in my own words and i wouldn't be able to do that unless i kind of embrace like the hacky nature of the practice yeah i i think i don't know why i kind of just thought of this but i kind of want to bring this in is that like we also should acknowledge that like <clears throat> the art that we make like you and i like we're kind of like a little bit different than like people that are maybe in higher positions and like, you know, like the mainstream and stuff is that a lot of people that work in the mainstream and work in like, you know, like the film industry or music or, you know, uh, publishing or whatever. It's like, mm -hmm. they're established and they may also be living in very like artistic communities. So let's say LA, uh, New York or whatever. Right. So they're like, I, I don't yeah. know if you're, you're, you're around a lot of artsy people right now in DC, but for a while you were in Nebraska and so forth. Right. And that's when you wrote some of your best stuff yeah. too, by the way. Um, and, and so, it just makes me wonder if like, because I come, like I, I, I'm essentially in the suburbs of Toronto, right? Like I've been all over yeah. the place, but right now I'm in the suburbs of Toronto. And I think a lot of the stuff that I talk about creatively is really kind of the creative struggles of somebody who may not be around creative people all the time. Yeah. And I think a lot of people Which that listen to this the... are people like that, that are kind of like, may not be, like they may be, you know, like they might be living in, in suburbs all over the world or wherever, but like they're not around like where it's popping and where things are happening and they can be around people, you know? And I'm not like that either. And so I think therefore when I talk about it, I talk about from a very grounded, almost like a blue collar level. Like how can you do this like at home, like without, you know, being around these like amazing people mm -hmm. all the time, and these opportunities. That's what a lot of it is. People don't have opportunities and they feel like, how do I do this? Yeah. Like, and I, Our perspective I is would that. say that it wasn't until this last year that I really had like a writing of like friends that I got mm -hmm. through Instagram because before that like I was just kind of writing on my own um yeah which which has its own its own pros I mean one of the cons is that like you know you don't really get feedback like I yeah. worked with with you a little bit and then with my editor mm -hmm. on my you kind of latch on to those people the ones that do kind of get it yeah exactly like I definitely had like a, like this very small handful I'm the same way of, of people that like I could let into my work and critique my work and, and vice versa and that was really valuable but none of them ever lived where I lived like when that's I was it yeah finishing when I was finishing um Uyghur Wild Ones I had written it in in Nebraska and then in DC and then in Toronto and then I finished editing it when I was in Syracuse which is like not a place where anything happens mm -hmm. um and my editor 
like you were in Toronto and you were helping me at the time and then my editor was back in DC and so um, I didn't have a community really anywhere and it's kind of helpful because it does let you lean into yeah yeah your voice but it can be kind of isolating because you're like, I agree with you I think why having, why am I doing this? having a community like, is I think more important than uh, being alone Yes, but unfortunately, is. people are alone. You know, some people yeah. don't have community. And I think, well, one of the things I find is that podcasts are like community. Like for me, a lot of the, a lot of the things that I look to for creativity or for conversations or stuff are like other podcasts that are creative or have creative people on them. Or not even, it could be anything, anything, just conversations. Those people become your friends, you know, mm-hmm. and they motivate you. And I think that's what's awesome because there's no way that everybody in the world can live in all the like metropolises, you know? Exactly. And, and, and some of the best art talks about I mean my favorite art honestly talks about those blue collar that's my favorite stuff all of my favorite stuff is I mean it's Polish and it right, comes exactly. from this like birthed from hard labor and struggle kind of um, yep it's like it's people that are dealing with real shit and not like make them ups right <laughs> um, exactly and so and you, you get a little bit of that when you're a little bit lonely I think mm-hmm. um, it's good so to kind of go back and forth I think um, and actually, I will say that the, the writing community that I do have is still blue-collar kind of yeah. writing community. It's in New York, so it's it's got that level of, like, you know, it's it's not that blue-collar. Um, but uh, right. all of those people have have day jobs, you know. Um, all of all of my friends, like Allison Melly and, and Chris Ferreris and, and other kind of Instagram yeah. poets, um, they have day jobs where they're not, like, full-time poets um but we're able to like get together and, and write together what's well, like um it's super valuable but you still i don't know there's still like the grungy aspect i think yeah totally because <clears throat> you guys are still all co- up, uh, coming up together right you're on the come up and that's what makes it kind of like you're in the trenches trenches together yeah yes. I, I feel like that like every couple of years i go to la and like i have a i have a, I have a few film friends down there so like my friend rory Roy Robinson, who made Blinky and stuff, he's out there, and my friend Mike Ames, who made for thousands, for thousands of miles, and a bunch of people, like, and I'll hook up with them, and we just have conversations and stuff, and that's super reinvigorating, and when I'm there, I feel like I want to move there, because they're yeah. all there, mm-hmm. but then I remember, no, no, I don't want to move here, because what I want to do is just, I need to recharge around people, and then I need to be on my own, because <clears throat> that's really where my ideas come from. I feel like if I'm around people too much, I start to, like, self-censor my ideas. Because I'm because I'm, yeah. I'm starting to think their way. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that whenever I go back to New York, so like I I go back and uh, everyone's like, "Why don't you move here?" Because they all live in New York, right? Yeah. And um, I live kind of in between DC and Toronto, and I have for like quite mm-hmm. some time now. And I always want to live in New York until I've been there for about four or five days, and then it's like the smell of pee. <laughs> like, <laughs> the know? pretentious people. <laughs> yeah, this, I'm just like, oh, it's really expensive to smell like pee here, never mind. All the gentrification, um, it just starts yeah, to get to you. Exactly, like, what I love about DC is that it's, um, even though it definitely has its own problems, like yeah. in, in a lot of them, DC is a historically Southern black right, city that right. kind of came I don't know, I had this really cool period of like just jazz and blues and right. the, the poetry um, houses during like prohibition and like I love it for that and that has never kind of died. Yeah, I can't wait to come and, and check that out someday. Yeah, no, you need to. Um, and, and Toronto's the same way. Toronto's mm-hmm. kind of like New York's like a little bit more like polished, uh, 
like clean yeah, but, cousin. But I'm the same way when I'm in Toronto. Like if I'm in if I'm in Toronto for too long, I start to like feel like I need to get out of here. Like I'm not a suburb guy, but like the thing is, in the city, I do start to feel a little bit like um, crowded by everybody's like opinions. Yeah. And and as as, as as an artist, that becomes like becomes hard because I'm like a sponge. I, I take everything people think and say like on and I like, contemplate it and stuff and it starts to affect my process, you know? Um, but okay, listen, we should probably like, we're, we're, at, we're at an hour. We're, so let's just maybe do, uh, wrap this up. And oh, by the way, if, if like anybody thought that like, you know, they wanted more tips from us or anything like that, just drop us a message and let us know what you wanted us to cover on this and we'll just bring it up. Like either I'll drop a voice note or we'll do it on the next podcast. Yeah, no, judge us. Yeah, tell us. Tell us what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right, what you want to hear more of, what you don't. Leave us a message. Like, you know, we love that stuff because we're pretty new to this. And um, I guess let's get into recommendations. Oh, before we do that, I just want to say, like, it was super dope that uh, last week we talked about, um, I talked about Wheelman about mm-hmm. Nef- on Netflix, a great movie that Joe Carnahan produced and uh, Jeremy Rushman, I think, uh, directed, wrote and directed. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I, since I mentioned it, I put it in the in the podcast uh, on Twitter. I put it in the header. I put like, hey, we mentioned this and Carnahan retweeted it, which was like super cool. Oh, cool. He's like one of my heroes. He directed NARC and The Grey and The A-Team and a whole bunch of stuff. And he's just, him, yeah. he's just, a, just a really like one of, one of the few mavericks left, you know, in Hollywood. And so that was really dope. And so... What's really cool about that is we just started this podcast and it's already kind of like lit. I love that people care about um, us bitching and moaning, complaining and waxing poetic to one another. <laughs> well, we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So any, any recommendations? We'll do like really quickly in a couple of minutes and we'll wrap up. Welcome to the uh, second episode of Sarah's Polish Corner. <laughs> where I just tell you Polish things to watch in. And, and, or things and, that you wish were Polish. <laughs> and, or things that I wish were Polish. I just saw Lord of the Rings. I wish it was Polish, but other than that, it was good. Actually, no, I'm, I'm just gonna, since you brought it up, I'm gonna spend the next 60 seconds complaining about how um, Gunter Gross, who wrote The Tin Drum, and he also has a great memoir before he passed away called Peeling the Onion. Um, he I have like, no idea what you're talking from, about. This is awesome. He... Um, <laughs> The Tin Drum is one of the best. Oh, the Tin Drum. Yes, the Tin Drum mm-hmm. is one of the best books. Like yeah, yeah. That's right. I do um, know that. Anyway, one. he won the Nobel Prize for Literature for Germany for it, even Whoa. though he is from the former city of Danzig, which is now Gdansk, and he should be considered a Polish writer and author because his mother was Polish and he was raised in occupied Poland. But they considered him a German author, and I hate that. Uh, it has nothing to do with what I'm about wow. to talk about. But since you just brought it up, mm-hmm. things I wish were Polish. Um, we should also probably point out that you're not Polish. <laughs> no, no, not. As- <laughs> this is total. This is total culture vulture stuff. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I just love it so much. I know, I love um, it. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, <laughs> we should have Martin on one day where I just like make him talk about all the things that. Oh, we're totally gonna have Martin on. <laughs> and- <laughs> And he'll be like, please shut up and get out of my culture and my country. Yeah, um, no, if I love it. Probably have you over at his family's house and they'll be like, oh, oh my you, God. So, oh, you like Poland? Uh, my, and they'll give you a Polish food. <laughs> my friend Jordan, um, her uh, family's from Atlanta and she just got back from visiting them for Christmas and she's very Polish. And uh, her mom, I guess Jordan told her what like a Polish culture vulture I am. Her mm-hmm. mom packed me a goodie bag of food. 
because he knows how insane I am. So um, what's funny is you can't really be a culture vulture of Polish people. <laughs> it's like because they're white. <laughs> um, there weren't historically anyway. I know, I know, I know. I know, I, know. I, okay. I, I already know. I, I offended like half my friends. So like. <laughs> so, I was like, wait, no, I'm gonna talk about this. Um, so, but what I will say, my actual recommendation yes. is um, the film The Lure, the like Lure. the fishing lure. The fishing um, yeah. It's written by I can't pronounce her name, um, but she's this young female uh, Polish director, and just like the lure is um, like a comedy horror love story about these two sisters who are um are mermaids and they come to the shoreline of this polish town and they fall in love with the singer and uh basically they have really? to if they fall in love with a human they either have <laughs> to um eat them and kill them or they have to be turned into sea foam oh so i won't tell you interesting i feel happens. like i saw the poster for this or something i've posted it a lot okay okay so you i'm gonna watch out for that one but it's this really interesting kind of, um, I don't know, it really looks at what it means could to you, like, grow up. What would be cool is after we do this, once we put the podcast out, if you can, if you could find a link to the trailer or something. Okay. And, yeah, and, and just yeah. do a tweet, say, this is what I talked about, and maybe tag the director or something, you know, just so people yeah, can go like, check it out. But um, it's, it's I'm curious and, about that now. And, yeah. Um, it like really looks at like what it means to be feminine and, and how like coming into your femininity uh is a is kind of that is not what i would have expected from the lure <laughs> no well like and, and, and that's not the point of the film but, yeah like, yeah but still you, you have these like beautiful and they're naked so it's a it's a very sexual movie um but these like beautiful young mermaids with these like really grotesque slimy eel-like tails Interesting. and um so and, and they're like you know going through kind of like this feminine phase in their lives and like how it's it's gory and gross but also beautiful and human and um yeah i also like really i also just really dig like foreign films because something about not knowing the language and the subtitles the mm-hmm. the suspension of disbelief is so much easier like you because you feel like you feel like whatever world you're watching is a world that exists but you don't really you're not privy to it you know so mm-hmm. I feel like foreign films tend to have more of like a mat. I bet you anything American films and Canadian films work the same way in Europe and stuff. They probably have more of an impact because our world, like our our lifestyles and stuff, seem like you know magical to them or something. Well, and also there's this art of translation. And yeah, like, yeah. We could even we could even do like an episode where we talk about just like where we just recommend like our best our favorite foreign mm-hmm. stuff because um, there's something about the language choice and and when you're having to translate something that that makes it kind of unique and, and its own kind of distinct beauty um, as a translated piece because you have to choose different words that may not mean the exact same thing so how do you pick the right words it's, it's you know totally, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. captions and stuff like that mm-hmm. though. so um, what is your recommendation uh, I have a couple real quick though um, one a month I guess my first one is an album. It's uh, it's called Honcho Jack. Okay. It's a collaboration between Travis Scott and Quavo. Quavo's the lead singer of Migos. Well, not lead singer. Okay. He's one of the singers. You know, but he's kind of like the most popular, I think. Uh, he's very famous for his melodies, and so is Travis. And they put this album together. It's a collaboration, and it's a. Uh, I guess it's kind of like, kind of like wavy trap music, 
but okay. but what's cool, and you've listened to it too, and I think what it is is it's super accessible. Like whether you like rap trap or whatever, it's or hip hop. <laughs> I think if you listen to this album, it's just melodies. It's just like the the the, the like you're saying this, they're like the legit like sexy melodies, right? It's like hardcore yeah. like music, but the melodies are so like just. I don't know. They just get on your skin, and 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 you will listen. You will literally put this album on on loop and listen to it in background, um, and it just gets you in this zone and this vibe, especially for writing and stuff. Like, it's a great album. You don't have to pay attention to the lyrics if you don't want to, or you can. It's just, it's just it's kind of background music, but it's dope and cinematic and like puts you in the. It pain. is really, it is really beautiful. Um, it is, yeah. Last last week, kind of in passing, and I was like, yes. I don't know what this is because I don't know anything about music and I actually thought that like Migos was a was one person you did yeah you're like who so (laughs) yeah and so you were like no don't speak just listen to and it's it's really beautiful Um, it is the two of the most talented guys in this like newer wave of like hip hop music that like younger people are doing right like I'm super obsessed with Travis right now who's like kind of like a rock star in the genre Mm -hmm. And, and if you like any of Kanye stuff in the last few years I think from like uh, maybe even Dark Twisted Fantasy, but definitely Yeezus and Watch the Throne, maybe. And uh, what was the last one? Pablo. Like, if you like that stuff that, that's been happening with uh, with good music and Kanye, it's like a lot of that is Travis. When you listen to the, when you listen to Travis's albums, you hear those melodies that you hear on Kanye albums, and you realize, oh, that's why Travis was such a big collaborator on it. You know. Well, and it's funny because when you recommended it to me, I was like, this sounds like uh, this one particular track on on, on Drake's most recent album. And I was like, no, what are you talking about? And then, yeah, no, and I was like, no, it sounds. I was like, Dubai shit sounds exactly like Galchester, and then and then I listened to, listen to it, and you're like, oh wait, no, Travis like worked with him on this album. Yeah, he, I think and he that- worked on Portland on that track, so maybe maybe there is some like lead over. But also, these guys clearly inspire each other. Like, I was listening to something. Yeah. I was listening to Travis do a melody on the album that actually sounded like another, like maybe Future or something. And so mm-hmm. it's, I think like hip hop's really changed. You can really you can. You can borrow melodies and stuff like that now. People people like that. Like it's like, it's almost it's communal. It's communal. Yeah, it's almost like flattery, right? And um, so yeah, G- Galchester. When you listen to the mel, you listen to uh, Drake's flow on that. It's pretty much very similar to Dubai shit, you know? Yeah. And I like that, so that doesn't even bother me. But uh, no, I was just cool because I was like, oh wow, here's like this kind of collaborative, like thing you can see across, like whether it's like Drake. Yeah. collaborating and pulling inspiration from like South London you know well Drake um, did that Future album rappers. too Drake and Future a couple years ago and but you know what's different it's like okay so uh, uh, Kanye and Jay did a collaboration album I think it was one of the first big collaboration albums that started this whole trend in hip hop and it was mm-hmm. great it was a great album and then everybody started doing these collabos but they were you could kind of tell very quickly they were cash-ins they'd have one or two good songs and the rest were just filler yeah you know and so when this when this when Hunter Jack was coming out, everybody kind of assumed like this could be that too, because everybody wants to see these two together. So yeah, give them a couple of songs and throw out a mixtape, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's like a real project. It's like I don't know if it's twelve songs or something, but from beginning to end, like you won't skip a song. No, yeah, I actually there's very few albums I can put on yeah. in my car. Yeah. Like, I have a really long commute every day, and so it um, has a real aesthetic to it. Yeah, I can actually put it on and listen to. Every, I can have my favorite individual tracks off of it, like anything. Exactly. But, um, I can put it on and listen to it start to finish mm-hmm. and thoroughly enjoy it as a collection. And it's a big deal for you to say that because this isn't really aimed at you, you know. Right. No, definitely exactly. not. And also, I hate everything. So, <laughs> right. Um, 
So, um, yeah, that's a great album if you just want to chill and just want to feel. Essentially, I think this is the album you listen to to feel yourself. You know? Yeah. Just listen to it, feel good, and go write something, make something. Like, it, it will trigger something if you give yourself over to it. Yeah, definitely write something, uh, do a little bit、oh. of self love to it. And the cover is like a fear and loathing homage. Or whoever did the art on the fear and loathing cover, I think it's a famous artist.、Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like the same thing. It looks so dope. Go check it out.、Um, and then I'll just、uh, plug this quickly. I won't even talk about it. It's just、uh, if you want to laugh and you want to watch enough, you want to watch something kind of like heartwarming, but very blue collar and like. Uh, doesn't pull its punches. Go check out F is for Family on Netflix with、uh, Bill Burr. Bill Burr, I think, co-created it. He's the main voice. I think he plays a version of his father on the show in the '70s,、mm-hmm. and、um, it, it's so good. Like it's just great. Like people swear on the show. It's a family like coming up in hard times, and it's incredibly funny. It's a cartoon. It's like almost like Simpsons or something, you know. Okay, But it's just got never- so much. You, you will love it. Like just watch an episode. It's so、okay. crude and like blue collar and funny, but it's got like this heart where you just like it like sucker punches you with like really, like hardworking like American shit. You know? Cool. I have to. I'll report back. Yeah, it's just, and I don't know. I don't know if you know Bill Burr or not, but he's like a famous comedian, so he's probably one of the top、It、three. Sounds familiar. Top three:、uh, Chris Rock, Richard Pryor, Bill Burr, in my books. With this, this actually, this like little segment is is helpful for me because like growing up. Uh, not having access、yeah. to any of these things, I feel like you're going to catch me up, which is good. I actually feel、so. like I feel like people that are listening to this have been pointing out too that like they like this segment, they like getting recommendations, because I think in this day and age it's getting harder and harder to like, you know, to like really trust anything. Like, what are you gonna, where do you get like a recommendation for a movie? You know? No, I love it. Yeah, yeah. no, it's and it's fun for me because I can like indoctrinate everyone with like my love for Eastern Europe and like. No, it's cool too. I'm learning shit I don't know from、podcast. you. What I said it's cool because I'm learning stuff from you that I don't know. By the time I'm done, everyone's gonna be a fucking communist. Everybody's gonna be Polish. Polish. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna be Sarah. Sarah's pop Polish corner is gonna be the entire world. Everyone's gonna be like making pierogies as they listen to this podcast. <laughs> so, I love it. All right, let's、uh, wrap it up.、Um, I guess let's just do Twitter handles and stuff.、Um, I'm Twitter.com/slash/eyes. You are. And I am Sarah Angela across all of the platforms. That's right, you're everywhere.、Um, yeah. yeah, just go on Twitter; you'll find me everywhere else.、Um, and、uh, then we've got thewildmachine.com, and you've got sarahrosangela.com. And I think、um, uh, one thing I just wanted to say is, if you enjoy this conversation at all, like you know, please leave a comment and like share it and tell your friends about it and stuff. We're a tiny podcast; we're just starting out. All we have is really you guys to like, you know, be dope to us. <laughs> and.、Um, And、uh, one thing I wanted to say is, if you guys can think of any guests or anybody that you think might be cool on this podcast, or anybody that you know you might have a connection to, anything else, let us know because we we we、uh, we want to try and aim high and have really cool guests on. And if there's any way our network can help us, that'd be dope. Also, I just noticed we've been talking for like an hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah, it's seventy-four minutes. Our the podcast was supposed to be an hour. Actually, let us know about that too. Do you like it at this length, or do you want it shorter, or what? You know. Because like I'm tired of, of hearing the sound of my own voice, but like I literally love to talk. So yeah, that's the whole like that. We figured we might as well just do this because like we love to talk. So why waste it? <laughs> <laughs> I know we we have these conversations like on the phone regardless.、Um, so, so might as well start like letting you guys in on it. Yeah, forty minutes, an hour and a half. Let me know. Have we forgotten anything? Um, I don't think.、So. So, I don't have the、um, uh, I don't have the、uh, podcast links yet. I know I guess it takes a day or two, but as soon as I do, I'll put them on the Twitter, Twitter.com/slash/eyes. 
Cool. All right. Love you guys. See you guys next week. Uh, well, not next week. Whatever. A few days, I guess. A few days? Yeah. yeah. Now that we're like not recording in advance. Right. Exactly. I'm going to put this up as soon as it's done. Bye. All right. Bye.